Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sharad, and this is episode 82. In this episode, I will be interviewing Anne-Marie Saccarato. She is a strength conditioning coach slash performance specialist who specializes in working with combat and tactical athletes, and she's also the owner of, spelled R-Y-S-E-E, Rise Performance. She's also a former three-time WBC lightweight world champion and Hall of Fame inductee and ranked top 10 pound for pound in the world, one of the biggest KOs and fights in women's boxing history. So she's basically a badass. (laughs) Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I do. Let's get clean. (laughs) Nothing much chilling. How about you? Same. 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 How's your Sundays look? Mostly uh, programming, or do you train people too on that day? Nah, usually um, Sundays is for for me. Sundays okay. okay. Any okay. program? I gotta do any research or reading that I want to get in. Uh, most of the time, it's 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 me spending time with with this guy. <laughs> what type of dog is he? He's an American pit. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got yeah. mine is a pit and a canario mix. I don't know if you heard of those ones. No. Uh-huh. Oh, Pressa Canario. They're from the. Oh yeah, they're big. They're... Yeah, yeah. So she's like a mix of that and Pitbull. Yeah, but she's t- she's tiny. She's only like sixty something. She's a little midget. <laughs> All muscle, you know. <laughs> He's about forty five. So usually Sundays, I'll maybe go for a run. Usually I'll take him go longboarding, and he likes running on the boardwalk with it. Um, but usually because I'm away like all week long, I'm never home. So okay. Sundays, I try to give as much time as I can to him. And then I got going on, move it around. Uh, so just start off by telling everybody who you are and uh, what, what you do. Yeah, uh, my name is Anne-Marie Saccarato. I am, I'm a couple of things. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am a strength conditioning coach and performance specialist. I've uh, been in the industry for about 28 years. Um, just finally got my LLC done for my own brand, which is Rise Performance. Um, Rise basically stands for Realize Your Strength Every Day, spelled R-Y-S-E. Uh, raise Your Standards Every Day, Reignite Your Soul Every Day. It's basically three ideals that will put you in the right positioning to create the transitions you want in life and just live that, that savage life, that solid life going after you want, whether you're an elite level athlete um, or general population just trying to achieve higher levels of just life living performance. Um, work with Phil Drew, moved down here about four years ago. Um, and somebody, good friend of mine that I ran into was like, you got to meet Phil, you got to meet Phil. And we met, hit it off and, uh, been with him. And it, it's just a blast. Uh, connection is, is, is just awesome between me and him. Um, absolutely love being around him. Um, so work alongside him at, um, at, uh, Drew Strong Performance in Deerfield. Uh, outside of that, I am a three-time, former three-time WBC lightweight world champion, professional boxer, um, entered into the uh, International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame, um, ranked top 10 pound for pound in the world with one of the biggest fights and biggest KOs in women's boxing. Outside of that, I'm also, uh, I work and specialize with working with combat athletes and tactical athletes, um, but I'm also a tactical athlete myself involved in uh, tactical protection. So, and then outside of that, I do some speaking. There's some speaking engagements, uh, mental strength, emotional toughness, um, 
I'm an instru assistant instructor for a group called The Program, which is all basically uh, compromised and, and was developed uh, by a bunch of former uh, Marine, just absolute superheroes. Um, and we work with a lot of division. Uh, well, usually, majority is division one, um, colleges, professional sports teams and corporations and helping develop military mindset um, and leadership skills. Oh, wow. So, okay. And then, and then did you serve as well? Is that how you got into that? I, I, I did not. Um, I'm just honored to be part of that. I give them so much respect. Um, mm. It's everybody. It's funny because people, everybody thinks um, either I'm a cop, I'm mm -hmm. military, I'm a Marine. I'm everybody. I get, I followed mm. into today by a woman that swore I was a Marine. She <laughs> going up and like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Marine. I was like, I'm sorry. like, you hiding it. You're like, you're, you're a spy or something. <laughs> I, I, like this, I, I don't know. Obviously she was, something was a little off with her, but, um, but <laughs> I mean, I was walking Simba the other day and a guy um, was walking alongside me and he comes up to me and he's like, are you part of this organization? I don't remember the name of it. Um, Cause I'd love to get and uh, I said, no, I was like, well, what organization is that? He goes, oh, they work with, with military vets and they provide them with a lot of different services and he's going on and on. And I'm like, sir, I was like, I'm not a veteran. He's like, you're not? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, people for their ser my service, I'm like, I'm not, but um, you know, it, it's it, my brother, my brother, he's the, uh, he's the real hero. My brother was um, first responder at 9-11. Department. He's U.S. Coast Guard, um, U.S. Marshal, anti-anti-terrorist uh, task force, uh, National Guard, and uh, Air National Guard, and now he's uh, working with uh, Sheriff's Department. So he he's the real one. I just uh, pretend to be. <laughs> um, I, now, like, oh, sorry, were you to say something? No, no, no. I was just saying I try. I, I train. I was. Um, I was just gonna say, did you play any? sports growing up or did you start right into boxing and that was the start of everything never thought i'd box in my life i'm not oh, wow. even honest with you i'll watch the fights just because i'm an athlete and I'm, I'm involved i'll watch the fights more now mm -hmm. because what i do in terms of working with athletes and the population that i work with mm -hmm. boxers um you know ufc bare knuckle um and i'm much more um about that now but i never i never really it was never a thing I never said I was gonna box or fight a day in my life. Um, I grew up playing basketball, volleyball, softball. Stop. Um, basketball, volleyball, my entire life. Uh, was recruited to play by um, several Division One schools. Um, coming out of high school, and that's that's all that you know. I was about um, how boxing came into place. Is everybody has a story? My story's uh, a little bit different. Um, I was. Oh, excuse me, I'm gonna let this beast out for a second. <laughs> My God. Um yeah, I uh I was coming back. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. So my senior year of high school, I was um I had this feeling that I was gonna be in a life-threatening situation. Mm. But that I was gonna overcome it. I don't know where that feeling came from, but it was it was in me. And that summer, I was uh, I was on a team. So New York State, um, well, you might be familiar. You familiar with the Empire State Games? Uh, no. 
the New York State divides itself up basically like like the Olympics into regions and has all the top athletes get together and compete basketball, volleyball, whatever. Okay. I was competing. I was competing on the volleyball team going up to represent um, Hudson Valley. We were going up to Syracuse University. And um, my mother had dropped me off at the, at the venue where we were meeting to take the buses up. And it was three days after my 18th birthday. And I look at her, you know, wave goodbye. And this feeling goes through me. What if I never see her again? Now, you don't think that, you know, as an 18-year-old. Right. Not, but it's legit what I felt. And, you know, had the tournament, was coming back from the tournament, didn't go into, um, didn't go onto the bus. A couple of my teammates had cars that drove up, whatever. Long story short, I ended up going home in a teammate's car, my captain. And it was myself, another, uh, another teammate, and the captain. And she was driving. I fell asleep in the backseat of the car and it was pouring. It was like... It was like a monsoon. The rain was extremely heavy that day. Mm. So car, when you have a dream and you feel like your body spins out of control. Mm -hmm. I remember that, but it was the car, car oh, three, shit. the hydroplane across uh, Route 7 of Monticello. We wrapped a pole for the overhead side uh, of the signs on the overhead, uh, the overhead signs on the opposite side of the highway. And uh, on impact, so the car wraps around, my legs took the impact and shot me through the back window of the car. They found me hanging out the car halfway unconscious. Oh, my uh, God. Life to get me out. I don't remember anything from the scene except for the fact that I was on a board and I was telling the medics that I couldn't breathe and asking if I was going to die. And that's <laughs> all. So they were going to fly me down to a Westchester Medical Center, which is a, a one facility. And uh, the weather was too severe, so they put me on advanced life support, drove me to a local hospital, drove me down on advanced life support to Westchester Medical Center, did somewhere between 14 and 18 hours of surgery. They had my family in a private room tell them, ready to tell them I wasn't going to make it because medically speaking, they said I shouldn't have made it through the night. And um, I woke up. The first that I said was, what about sports? After all that that I said, um, the doctors looked at me and said that I was never um, was never going to play sports again and would probably never walk. But they didn't know if I was going to walk or walk normal again because of the injuries I sustained. I told them they had no idea what was inside me. I don't remember. Else was the only conversation that I remember that time. Um, I was on all kinds of drugs and incredible pain. I was in the hospital from August 5th of 95 till the week before Halloween. Week before Halloween to week before Thanksgiving, I was in rehab. I broke my left fib tip, had a metal rod put in my tibia. Um, from where the break is, break was, uh, there was also glass that severed my leg open. The glass and the break were the same place. They severed the nerve. So I had no feeling. Mm. In my leg. That's one of the reasons why they didn't know about walking. They didn't know if that nerve was going to regenerate. I'm still missing feeling in my left foot. Um, I broke my right femur. I have a metal rod in my femur. I broke my right pelvic bone. I had my leg in traction for about six to eight weeks. I uh, broke all the ribs on my right side. I punctured my right lung. I shattered my right arm in five places. I have a metal, uh, a metal plate holding my ulna together. And then um, I tore apart my chin in several places. So it was, it was a battle, but every step of the way, I knew it happened. I knew A, it happens to me for a reason. I knew B, I was going to be fine, didn't care, didn't, 
it didn't worry me at all. And see, I did. I had one limb that was free, and did whatever I could. I had band just to make that one arm as mobile as possible. Um, boxing. So, cut fast forward to what the story original question was. Boxing came into my life after that. So I was in the hospital several months. When I got first day that I came home, the first thing I did was go out the door. Mom, see you later, and went for a run. And next day I was back in the gym. I started um, just for just to build up. I was going to go play for Seton Hall University the following year. Obviously, I didn't go that year. Um, I just knew I needed to get back into into shape and conditioning. So I was back in the gym, um, back training, and then uh, I started taking boxing classes just for ad work. And I got introduced to somebody that um, he was an instructor for Chikundo, which okay. is you know, Bruce Lee created. Right, started studying that. Um, went back to college, came back down. When I came back, I, you know, dabble, um, ran into a friend of mine actually sent me something about the New York Golden Gloves. And I uh, had maybe six weeks of hitting, not even, maybe four weeks of hitting a bag. Uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll do it. Literally how this happened. And the New York Golden Gloves with this guy that told me he was this boxing coach that was completely full of shit. <laughs> um, he had a boxing gym he had all these pictures with people but he was terrible i went to the gym <laughs> and he didn't care like even at that time like i'm not this that type of person but like women boxing wasn't nobody gave a shit and he threw when the, the the i went to the gym that day and he was like all right 10 rounds on the bed wait what and he left and he left me in the 10 rounds on the bed by myself Okay, so now first fight is in the Golden Gloves. It's against um, national champion. She's 23 and 0. I have no fight. So I fight her. Then third round of that fight, she breaks my nose. I third round of fight, 30 seconds left, she breaks my nose. They stop the fight. That night, there's a woman at the fights. And it actually that wasn't at the, that wasn't the entrance to the Golden Gloves. There was a, a a small fight before that. I don't remember what it was for, but it had some type of tie for the gloves. Regardless, it all ties in together in a second. So that night, this woman is there and like, listen, I represent the team going to the U.S. Nationals, representing New York. We have an extra ticket. Would you like to go? Meanwhile, I have a broken nose and I have two black eyes. Okay, come out. Of Women's uh, amateur boxing, Olympic style boxing is all about safety. So I had no business going on this plane to do Nor did I have any business at that time even representing anybody in a boxing <laughs> ring. But two days later, I'm on a plane to Midland, Texas, US Nationals. I fight. Definitely was a boxing fight my way into the finals of the US Nationals. I fight this girl who's a national champion in the finals. So now I'm fighting her twice in two weeks. Okay. Back to New York, I had a bye into the finals of the Golden Gloves. Fight her in the finals. So now three times in three weeks, I'm fighting <laughs> That was into boxing. Came back the following year, won the New York Gloves, won the National Gloves, turns pro, and had my first title fight maybe, I think it was about six fights into my pro career. Um, got off the title fight because girl got injured. I jumped in, 
I ended up having, here's the other thing. I, I always said I wanted to have a, a documentary crew follow me for all that I was going through to try to make this dream reality and everything I was doing in terms of like even my strength conditioning and, you know, the dream there and the dream of boxing and just being a, a what my mission has been since I was very young to inspire, empower, and impact as many lives as possible. I, I've always known sidebar. I've always known my life was meant for that. That's what's mm -hmm life and what I'm doing now that's always been my mission I was blessed to know that from from a child um but so with that in mind I said you know and and the documentary not just to be of myself but of what female boxers were, were going through mm -hmm. reality right well I signed this fight the contract for this fight and within that week I think it might have even been like two days later PBS contacts me they're like we'd like to do a documentary on you they didn't even know mm -hmm. about so now they're following me into the title fight and I win my belt from uh, a beat uh, girl's name is Jelena Mergenovitz in Canada. Um, it's the whole documentary is done on it. Followed me up to all the weeks preceding that. And the woman who is commentating the fight is the woman that I beat or that I fought in the, those three fights coming up in my yeah. career. And now she's the commentator for a title fight. So it's just, I know it's a long story, but <laughs> that, that, I mean, that, that's part of why I do what I do. That's part of, you know, I believe in everything happens in your life for a reason. When you put things out there into this world, which I did from a very young age, all these pieces of the puzzle came together to give me leverage in this world to be able to get my mission and my story out there as a strength coach, as an athlete, now working with tactical, tactical population. Um, so it's, it's very important, you know. Um, now you did, uh, you told me you played, uh, what was it? Volleyball, basketball. What was, there was one other, I can't well, But softball, so I did just to kind of play to, to stay active. Basketball. Okay, right. Like I, I love playing, um, but it wasn't like a love, right? right. I mean, I whatever, but, um, basketball, volleyball growing up, like those two was, was my heart. Like basketball growing up was. Um, cause I, I played in college for basketball and, um, I've always wanted to do fighting like way more. Like when I was younger, I did martial arts and I was doing Kung Fu. And then we moved to New York and I don't know if you know, New York, like New York's like their best or their biggest martial arts are always karate. And I've always hated karate. So I stopped, but it's always something I miss. So like, um, I know that like I'm doing powerlifting now and I'm like, well, I want to eventually start getting into kickboxing or somewhere that I I, I don't want to do powerlifting full time. I want to do more athletic stuff. But how was that transition to getting punched in the mouth versus like you get an elbow every once on volleyball? There's no contact. Like, how was that transition? Because I'd imagine it's it's rough, you know. Listen, you know, it, it's um the mindset, right? Mm -hmm. The so I mean, no, I've never never gotten in a, a fight in my life. Um, definitely, mm -hmm. you know basketball definitely you, you take your shots you're right you um, take it yeah. definitely definitely taking my shots uh definitely giving them too but it, it's that's why you know i'll say um and i said it into interviews many times i'm not a boxer mm -hmm. anybody can be a boxer not everybody has that dog inside them that's a yeah. fighter mm. that's you understand that's separation any and, and all respect and that's not to, to take away respect from anything or love from it boxing bjj wrestling whatever combat you're involved in 
it's a skill. So you can learn it. You can be very technically. But do you have what it is to compete? And not just against who is in that ring, cage, on the mat with you, but within yourself. Hmm. You know, because that, look, you step in the cage, that door closes. You step on the mat. You step in the ring. That's your truth right there in that element of who you are, what you're about, and what you're going to do in scenarios and in life. It's a lot about yourself and how you're going to not just react, but, but proact to a situation and plan an attack and strategize. And then when you are back against the ropes or you do get dropped, right now what? Now, now so what now? What are you going to do about the situation and how are you going to come back that much harder? And, you know, it, it's, that's what I say, it, it, it's mindset. It doesn't matter, like, for me, it doesn't matter what competitive nature, whatever sport or element I should say I'm involved in, I'm coming for you. Mm -hmm. I'm more for myself because I'm here to prove to myself that I'm capable of absolutely anything. And if I fail the first time, I'm going to come back from what I've learned. And it's the same way life, but it's the same way in lifting too. Like, I talk about this a lot, training, lifting, Life, it's all the same. It's all parallels each other, right? When you're lifting, right, we want to push ourselves to failure, right? Whether it's going on, you know, max reps, we're, we're doing an AMRAP, we're doing, uh, you know, what's your PR? Like, us going to failure is like, all right, cool, game on, let's go. In life, you reach failure in something like, damn, I failed. Now, right? Mm -hmm. So you onset of what you're doing in the gym, what you're doing on the bar, under the bar into into life and that's the same transitions <clears throat> into combat right the tension and stress we want more tension and stress in the gym we want to feel that and you hear a lot of people in life don't want to feel that shy away from that don't want to get uh, don't want to get uncomfortable right we live for that in that competitive nature we live for that so yeah going from basketball volleyball to this sport, like for me, it was, it, it just, it's, it's, it, somebody said this about me once. They're like, you know, watching you fight and watching you train is like, uh, life, how do they put it? Uh, you, your life in a living art form. Mm. And I'm 100%. You know, it's, it's how you look at it. Again, what, what's your mindset? Um, being that you guys, you know, you deal with a lot of fighters, but you also deal with a lot of tactical athletes and stuff. Have you, have you seen any, uh, like debates go down between between those populations like who's tougher or do they ever spar with each other by chance or you know or is it are they kind of separate and like respectful of each other i i mean uh they are not usually training at the same times but no it definitely mm. and if any of them cross paths it's all respect and it's just okay at 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 the gym it's just a family it's a community mm. it's a you know a you walk in there at any given time and you can have, you know, celebrity, uh, UFC fighter, SWAT, gen pop. It doesn't matter once you walk in there, everybody's on the same grounds and yeah. everybody yelling, screaming for everybody else just to level up. You know, okay. it's, it, it really is. It's, it's an unbelievable, um, it, it's an energy situation. Nothing I've ever been like can, can simulate or no place I've ever been at can actually simulate what goes on there and just, you know, just the camaraderie, man. Um, so no, everybody's for everybody. Um, you know, there's definitely the joking around the banter, of course. Um, 
has to be. Most of it comes from Phil. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, he just he try to do uh, like a Louis and incite, incite the competition. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it comes from you? <laughs> oh, it. Oh, it. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. I'm going to point on me. Anything that he can pick on me for, he's like, <laughs> like my brother. I'm like, oh, stop. Um, that, that's just, you know, the way that it is. Um, he said sparring, so I don't want to discount what you said. Um, sparring verbally, we don't have a ring, so we just do the strength and conditioning, right? Okay. We'll do, but we don't, we don't have that yet. What goes on in the future? I don't know. I mean, we did, you know, in the facility prior, we, we had a boxing ring, um, in there, we had the boxing connected, but now we have two different facilities. So, um, right where we are right now, uh, no, it's just, we strength conditioning, you know, their SAQ performance, movement, mobility, um, we're kind of renovating the space right now. We're going to be putting some bags up into one of the other rooms and changing some stuff around. So we'll have the bags. Um, but, uh, outside of that, no, but we have, I mean, right across the street is, um, is Killcliffe, formerly Sanford MMA. Um, so, you know, those guys, they just go across the street and boom, take care of their business there, but it's surrounded. I mean, it's South Florida. It's just a hotbed, um, for combat sports. I mean, yeah, Field Cliff is across the street from us, and then we have down the block the other way is American Combat Gym, is MMA Master oh, wow. Sports, um, Fight Sports in, in is down the block the other way. Then you know, a couple miles down the road, you got American Top Team in Coconut Creek. So I mean, it's oh, just wow. uh, I didn't know you guys had all that down there. Brown <laughs> Sheriff, like the, the most elite and the largest sheriff's department um, in the world, and they're actually developing. Mm-hmm. Monster training, uh, strength conditioning facility. I don't remember the square footage. It's something insane, but um, you know, it's 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 just a habit. We're talking about combat and tactical athletes and just performance. Um, that's a real reason why I moved down here originally from New York. Um, just because I wanted to keep leveling up my game. Um, in terms of education, just being around the best. You know, I I coming up early. I started studying. When I was seventeen. I got into the industry. Um, that's what I was going to ask you next. How'd you get started with strength conditioning? So yeah, please. You know, like, yeah, that's one of the things that really, that's one of the things besides me being just an athlete in general that saved me and my life and the injuries that I sustained from being worse in the car accident. Um, mm-hmm. because I, my senior year of high school, I, uh, they started a new program again, I believe, and I've been shown this to be true. Everything happens for you in life. And this program that they started instead of if your grades were good enough, instead of going to classes your senior year, your third and fourth quarters, you would be able to go out and get an internship. So oh, wow. that and you know, been an athlete my whole life. So I always knew I wanted to get involved in some direction. I wasn't sure, you know, and, and I was still in high school, so I didn't really know, you know, the the circumstances behind behind certain positions and what was necessary. I was like, all right, physical therapy, I was like being a coach. You know, I wasn't I wasn't sure, but I had a friend of mine's um, mother that worked at a gym and there's also a physical therapy facility linked in with them. And uh, I ended up doing the internship there and I just was an absolute sponge. Like if I wasn't at practice, I was there all morning. I was there afternoons so I could be there on the weekends and just following, you know, the coaches, trainers around, following the physical therapy office. And just it just took everything fucking in and started applying um yeah that's how i mean that's originally how i got involved um into the industry got 
my first, I think, I think aced <laughs> was like my first certification. I got like mm -hmm. six. No, but then just you know grew from there or just started researching research and development right and just you know find you know who do i need to follow and i got uh introduced to juan carlos santana um very okay. maybe within that year 18 19 years old um and started following him and when he would come to new york or new jersey uh connecticut you know i would go listening to him speak and uh we got really close and when I had my first world title fight, he reached out to me. And he was like, come down to performance. I want to work with you. He's like, we'll put your program together um, and, you know, move forward from there. And I was like, ah, cool. All right, bet. So I've come down to IHP, stay down here for a couple of days. We put the programming together, go back, implement it, you know, tweak whatever I needed to, you know, um, or felt that I needed to add in or, you know, modulate. Um, and then he ended up, as my fight started growing, we got closer. He offered me a position down at IHP. At the time, um, I turned it down the first time because I had too much that I was still wanting to do in New York and wanting to do within boxing and mm -hmm. didn't feel like the right time. And then um, I went back to him. I think I was doing a, he was doing a strength conditioning, uh, some strength conditioning certification course and uh, for MMA, for base for MMA fighters. Um, and I was doing one of them. I flew down to take it with him. And uh, I talked to him again. And I was like, listen, I said, you know, do you still, you still interested in having me come down? He's like, absolutely. And I was like, all right. And moved down here. And that was about nine years ago. Um, I worked alongside him for about four years. Um, I had to go back to New York. My mom, I didn't know at the time, but something else had brought me back to New York that I needed to, to handle. And um, my mom ended up getting diagnosed with ovarian cancer stage four ovarian mm -hmm. cancer so i realized that's why i was brought back to new york and, and not going through i was in a relationship and i didn't want to leave florida but my ex at the time was going through some family stuff and she felt she needed to be back home so you know always do the right thing and i was like all right mm. we ended up breaking up shortly after that but the whole thing was because my mom and i know that's why i got drawn back there. like i said everything after a reason right so stayed with her and helping her to battle and um about four years going on about four years now she passed so then oh, she, sorry about that. i look at it like this she was too big to be down here and she really was she was mm. just too forced like she got pulled up and that's the way that mm. needed her there i she, like that mindset that's a that's a i've never heard somebody say that that's a yeah i like the way that you say that yeah mm. i is why brother total badass totally about living life and being your dreams like from where a little kid tells you know we're leaders we're out there to do great things like just unbelievable and you know you never realize because your parents like how strong they are and it's like i saw it in that moment and then i it brought me back to stuff growing up i was like wow like she's a fucking beast and it's just like mm. she was like she was too big to be down here like he needed that angel up there um so, but I always knew, and, and to, I'm sorry, sidebar. So I'll see stuff though. Like she'll, like on my birthday, or no, I'm sorry, it was my birthday, it was her birthday, uh, which was just past April 6th. And I'm driving on the highway and all of a sudden the school bus passes by me with my birth date on it, which is 8277. I've never mm -hmm. seen a school bus with my birthday on it in my life. <laughs> like, all right, mom, I see you. <laughs> Got you. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, I always knew that I was going to be back here. Like living here was my dream. Like I said, you know, going back, um, I wanted to a level my game up because I felt like I wasn't growing any further in New York. People were reaching. I was constantly giving education to others and mentoring other, you know, coaches industry. And which is great. Like, I, I love that. I'm all about giving like this my entire life, but I needed to be replenished and I needed to grow and I needed to be, I wanted to learn more. And, you know, for me, you know, boxing, I stayed in New York because of my boxing career, you know, my other side of my career or my life, being a strength coach, my development or what I want to really specialize in was with combat population and with tactical population, um, which is what I've always been drawn to. And I knew that both hotbeds were here along with some of the biggest names in the industry. So knew I needed to come back here and, and it's just, I mean, it's paradise. So I'm blessed every day I wake up. I'm absolutely blessed. Um, mm. Come here do what I had to do. And then said, long story short, I moved back again um, and ran into a good friend of mine that actually I was boxing with in New York, uh, Maureen Shea, who is a two-time world champion. Um, and I didn't even know she was down here. We, I actually walked to the boxing gym just, you know, networking and, you know, showing face and trying to build my name. And somebody was like, oh, your story sounds really familiar. And they start describing this other individual. And I looked at <clears> it. I was like, is her name Maureen Shea? She's like, yeah. I was like, holy shit, because we hadn't seen each other in years. And I thought she was in California still. So the fact that surprised her, you know, we hug it out and we start talking and she starts telling me about Phil and now everything comes full circle. So here we are. <laughs> And uh, when you started working from versus now, you know, what are the things that you've learned, changed and all that, all that? I mean, you know, it, it's, it's constantly growing. I, it, it's, it, you know, every year, I mean, even, even there's programs that I look at, I might've done six months ago and I'm like, man, why did I do that? Like, you, that's <laughs> got to constantly evolve. You know, you're yeah. constantly growing. It, it's, it's, it's research and development mm-hmm. every day. You know, and I'm just trying to grab and get as many tools in my toolbox to be able to, you know, um, auto-regulate in certain situations, undrop a dime and, you know, just integrate methodologies and different hybrid formats, you know, because you're dealing with a lot, especially with athletes, who's coming in injured, who's coming in, you know, they're already overtraining what they're doing outside. Like there's so many different elements you have to work with and on any given day, and even like it's auto-regulation every single day. That's why a lot of times, I'm not even programming. I'm going, I know in my head, I know where they're at. I'm just on the board that day, da, 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 da. and keep it simple. You know, hybriding between, you know, you know, a lot with Phil, condensed conjugate and working through through West Side modalities, but integrating that, you know, working with triphasic modalities, working integration of uh, unconventional training methodologies from one arm lifts, which come over very useful in terms, especially tactical and grappling, right? Um, <clears throat> hybrid forms of that to integrating with clubs, with mace, um, with kettlebells, with animal flow, keeping the mobility and the strength components up, being able to create elements of force through, through varying force vectors, right? Especially working with the element where you're, you're working with a mace, you're working with steel clubs. Those elements are constantly trying to pull away from you. So you maintain the control of it, maintaining the motion. Mm-hmm. Again, and even the energy systems you work through transferable over to what you're doing in combat. I give you to, you know, flow sequence with a mace, as your your act to recover that day or like day, as opposed to going and running outside, the impact on the body, your body's knees. Where I'm moving with the mace or with clubs, it's more simulating of what I'm going to do on a lighter scale or on a more right. intense in in the ring and in combat. Right. So 
it's it's just constantly growing and adapting on those levels and just tweaking things and pushing pushing the dial pushing the needle up a little bit and then understanding when to take it down just understanding more than anything the athlete that you're working with you know mm-hmm. in their bodies and also what pushes them what triggers them what they what they like to do me to integrate that into the program format as well um but i mean it, it's you know to anybody across the board just constantly research development go out there and play play outside of the lines you know and as long as it makes sense to you and you're seeing a positive result from it response from it um you know run and gun with it and, and i'll do that stuff for myself too um anything that i'm going to provide to one of my athletes i'm gonna play with on my own and, and see how am i feeling how can i how can i how can i adjust this or tweak this you know um but i mean that's it, it just to anybody out there like just just constantly just you don't it's it's the more that i know the more i'm like shit i don't know shit you know because mm-hmm. you're just like, wow you know um training the boxers versus the MMA guys, you know, it's always a depends, you know, on the athlete and what that athlete needs, but what do you see are some major differences that generally happen when you're programming and training the boxers versus the MMA guys or or jujitsu, you know, whoever you're working with. Jujitsu is probably those guys. That one I'm saying would be strange. You know, like. (laughs) No, they're, they're, they're easy to program, but they're, Adaptative response to even just movement is so like they just have a hard time understanding movement. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain. Even warming up, doing some some low-level plyos or you know, some low-level dynamic work. And they're I don't know what it is, but <laughs> at basic, right? We'll keep it real simple. Let's go high knee run. Their bodies, their knees are going out here, their arms <laughs> going out. Just their their body, that's what it is. So their body awareness, whatever reason that I've found, their body awareness is just off in space. Like they don't just they haven't really the weight room is something that has been a no-no for a lot of you know old school jujitsu artists. So just say here but but when they do get into the programming, I mean, the output that they have just from, again, right, what's the, the king of, of all strength being able to control your own body weight? These yeah. guys are, they start going, man, you see weight flying, and it's it's mind-blowing, like, holy shit, but them getting just the ideals of the basic concepts of movement and awareness of their body with the ball, body weight alone on the floor doing some stuff, that's that's probably the biggest difference um, that, that I've seen. I mean, Boxers and MMA, um, really, no, there hasn't that that I can really put my finger on uh, a that difference between either either one of them. Pretty pretty much work with them in 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 the same uh, more dynamic power, possibly probably for MMA guys with a little bit more uh, dynamic, explosive in in, in their response um, in their response rate um, and maybe better. Uh, Overall conditioning, uh, lactic acid threshold on, on, on some of the boxes in certain situations, I'd say, but very close, really close. Uh, tactical athletes, that's where I see the biggest, the biggest drop. Um, getting these guys going good, like lactic acid thresholds, um, uh, anaerobic conditioning. Um, but again, even them, some with, with awareness underneath the bar um, and just control their body and space. Um, see a huge see a drop off of some of these guys i would imagine the training the lower body is going to be different too between the mma and boxing like is there more so a more 
just an emphasis on it with the MMA guys, or is it more like we're going to work more on your explosive with oh, the, yeah. with the MMA versus strength for the you know for the boxing guys? You know, how, how's that? Oh, you know, keep it. I mean, we do keep it pretty pretty regulated across the board in terms of how we're doing it, mm-hmm. uh, utilizing you know in a condensed conjugate and, and sticking around those three major lifts and then just working. I mean, really, that would come down to. Because they're gonna hit, they're gonna hit a, a, a squat variance. They're gonna hit a push variance. They're gonna hit a pull variance, and then really just bring down to to the accessories um, that they would need offsetting that. And then if we need um, a little bit more, you know, uh, hypertrophy off that base, and, and really in in the phase of training, gotta be be working through with them or how close how close to their fight that they are as well. Um, going to off camp, might do you know some more um, hypertrophy based um, actions with them. But uh, in terms of the explosive um, nature and hitting, you know, um, any any speed work, any dynamics, we pretty much across the board. Um, training is pretty consistent um, with accommodating resistance and, and throwing some bands on there, getting some speed work and throwing the chains on. Um, it's pretty consistent across the board and how we answer them. Like I said, again, if, if somebody for whatever reason, whether it's, it's an issue with them, uh, an injury with them, um, whether they're coming, you know, out of, might be coming out of one camp and, and the fight fell through or going into another, or we'll play around with, you know, the explosive nature and, and, and dynamics, but across the board, it's pretty much the same. How do you guys, cause I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of guys that like, like you said, in the populations among many sports, you know, it's still relatively new to put an emphasis on what you actually do in the weight room at all. How do you guys train the abs, obliques, and I would say even the lower back for these guys? Is there a lot of brace work? Is there a lot of the crunching? Or is there a lot of the, you know, static? You know, how do you guys work work that? Because I know you got to actually get hit. So you got to be good at being able to take it, you know, but how do you guys do that? Oh, oh you get onto the bar. All right, what's, we're going to squat. First thing we do, spread the floor, brace core your body, right? right. Maintain that, that core brace is essential for any of your lifts. So, they're going to get it from there. They're going to deadlift. They're going to press. They're going to drive out their legs. They're going to understand that before we do that, we take them through a whole series on the floor where we're just prepping them. All right, with floor work and how to sustain that brace and that contraction. Um, breathing response as well, and diaphragmatic breathing, them understanding that, and then being able to maintain that brace and that, that, that control. Um, outside of that, when we go into any of their um, repetition method work. So we might have them go on to a reverse hypers um, and have them do sets of, you know, 15 to 25 reps up to hundred reps in a session, broken down the sets of what they can handle and building up their or leg raises, um, any isometric holds that we'll do, um, whether it be with, with the medicine ball or us holding tension upon them. So that they're understanding how you get that, that static state and retain tension throughout that entire movement. Um, yeah, at the end, we do a lot of repetition work um, for core, for extremities, for the smaller muscle groups, even for, for grip work um, that we'll utilize with them. Uh, grip, neck, uh, lower back, and uh, you know, abdominal wall, more bleeds rotational aspects. Um, where is isometrics and where is the level of importance between those three? I, I, like jujitsu, MMA, box? Um, I think definitely, I mean, with my BJJ guys, um, it's probably probably most prevalent in there because of that hold and then the lats gas and then trying to build up and then have to be dynamic out of that. So mm-hmm. we'll do isometric work um, in terms of 
uh, neck work, grip work with them. Um, definitely more than we'll do with, with boxing. Um, mm. I think for, for, for MMA, um, we'll do a lot, of, a lot of neck and a lot of isos to maintain neck traction. Of them being able to set lots of gas, being able to come out of that with the dynamic response of being able to move. So that's kind of probably the hardest, the hardest part where they get that fatigue down. Um, as far as the neck training, which is more important, the strength or the size of the neck to not get choked up? I always wonder that. I mean, that's 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 good. I might it, it go back to to your strength, you know. Mm, okay. That point, it also goes to you know your technique and your resolve. I mean, if you talk to to um, Warcore, if you talk to Emiliano um, about it, I mean, he's in there, he's doing neck work for half an hour. <laughs> I got one of the biggest necks i've ever seen so but i mean at the end of the day it definitely has to go go with your strength i mean right. 100 and, and you talk about size the size definitely is size definitely say that you have a stronger neck not necessarily so all right so you mm -hmm. talk about the, of the action strength the muscles around it um they're going to that that technical work but that's going to again come from a lot of repetition method um a lot of my isometric holds mm -hmm. anything else i would really preface that um, with a lot of our athletes when they're towards the end of their session. Um, do you guys have between those three, do they do jumps and where's the level of importance on it? And do you guys do more for sets of total of, you know, 40, like the, like the traditional, like a lot of conjugate guys, or do you do for max ever? Do you go for records and stuff like that? No, no, we're not really pushing for, for, for records or for max, um, for max ever, but we are doing that in the beginning of their session. So we'll okay. work through. Some, some mobility work, um, how you know, <clears throat> blueprint, basic blueprint. We'll go through some mobility work, um, run through some different cars, neck, ankle, whatever the body needs that day, whatever we're going to focus on. Uh, okay. Go floor work, some dynamic movement prep, and then, you know, taking some dynamics and then going into whether we're going to target upper, lower, or where they are in their programming phase. Uh, med ball throws um, or box jumps, um, depth jump variations. Um, we'll usually go five sets, five reps. Sometimes we start getting a little more dynamic or pulling like two or three jumps into explosive move in. We may go sets of three, five sets of three, three sets of three. Um, but all the jumps and everything that we'll do, we'll do at the beginning of their, their session. Um, and then integrate if we go to like a triphasic format, um, we're going to assume a French contrast format. Then we'll integrate obviously the jumps into that, getting some dynamic um, but teaching them, you know, we, you know primarily uh, working through some low-level, uh, low-level plyometrics, um, building up also the tendon strength, soft tissue strength, as well as then teaching them how to actually land and the efficiency of their landing mechanics, um, being able to load, to become explosive, and then being able to not just absorb force down the road, becoming more dynamic and be able to accumulate in that force to more plyometric actions off of that. Um, but we definitely teach them a great um, or spend a lot of time on the learning how to actually load to create that force first and then be able to explode off it. And like I said, then becoming more accumulative of those force patterns, a lot of plyometric work. Um, how does training look like for these guys uh, when they're in their off season versus fight camp? Like does the number of days change or the intensity or the volume or everything? Um, you know, again, it, it goes back to what they're, you know, what they need or what we're looking at down in the future. Um, but the days, I mean, <laughs> are in there two days three days out of the week um we like keeping them in for three days um they're off season it's it's going back to a lot of a lot of times it might be some basic gpp 
um, sled marches. And when I throw into some animal flow and some movement prep with that too, or some movement work with that too, whether it be with, with the mace, um, with the clubs, and then just building up uh, stabilization, building up core integrity, whatever their body needs that we see is, you know, they're, they're compensating for, compensatory factors they're dealing with um, is going to be the basis of what we're going to work on. Then do they need a little more strength? Do they need more size? Getting some hypertrophy, loading their body a little bit uh, more intently, and then taking them back through that, that camp and find out. A lot of these guys, I mean, it's, it's, but that's also why, you know, we utilize the conjugate style because these guys can jump in and out, fights fall through, they get called short notice. I mean, mm. you never, you know, what you, I mean, it's all about um, Emiliano. He just, we decided to go up, fight or go up to, uh, I think he was upstate in Florida, um, had one fight fall through. This is the second camp, went up to go fight, gets there, fights off by the time he gets there. So now he comes back in. It's just like you're dealing with all these circumstances all the time. So to keep in that, that conjugate style format, it just makes sense, but if we know somebody's off for a while, a lot of times we bring back to just some GPP and some movement based. Um, I said whether it be sleds, belt marching, um, <clears throat> rolling around with mace with the clubs. And do you guys do some form of conditioning work every workout, or do you keep it to one of the lower body days and then one of the upper body days? Or you know, like how do you guys go about that? What do you mean in conditioning? Uh, in what what sense? So like, you know, like how many days a week are they going to get an ATP and march for time or spar while they're in there? Or, you know, are they going to do their longer sled trips just one day of the week? Are they doing something every single day? If they're off camp, they might go do um, sled two days out of the week. Mm -hmm. um, variation might have them uh, on the belt march um, and maybe doing like K carry um, or different carries down, throw them onto the rower. Um, but usually it's a... a, a Lower body day, uh, we might go, you know, lower body, um, lower body max effort, uh, and then a dynamic lift on upper body, switch it out. You know, if it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Friday, be all just dynamic work, um, it out that way. Like it, it's, it's, it's all really variable, you know, it really is based on what they need. But a lot of times we go to like in, in this conjugate style, it's going to be a lower body max effort, upper body dynamic upper body max effort, lower body dynamic, and then it'll be a full dynamic day on their Friday, keep it fast. Um, and then, you know, what do you guys kind of base their condition off of? Is it depending on like the rounds that they fight and the length of those rounds? Um, do you guys do, um, you know, more like, uh, let's say if their rounds of fights are five minutes, they're going to do sets of two to three and how many times they can repeat that at an 80% pace? Or are they doing full five? minutes each time to mimic that same exact situation no we won't take them really into doing that five minutes training towards till their last maybe two weeks of training maybe the third week where we may throw in like a fight circuit for them um mm -hmm. we'll roll. so and i speak for myself i like playing around with doing front press um and doing formats of that and then i see like one of my boxes right now she just had a fight fall through um, we went right up to that date of the fight in camp and right at the last second fight fell through and she got offered another fight right after that. So we're taking to the camp again. Um, so I took her into French consciousness last week, which has before, we're just doing some fight circuits, a lot of your coast and I'm just watching her body just explode. I mean, she's faster than I've ever seen her and more explosive than I've ever seen her. So you got to really understand the fighter and what they need in that point in time, what their body's done to that, that date. Um, but, uh, 
you know, utilizing um, a fight circuit will go into hitting maybe three five-minute rounds of side of fight, five five-minute rounds um, with components at 30, 30 seconds and 15 seconds um, in an action that really simulates the forces, the impact that they're going to face, whether in the ring or in the cage or on the mats. Um, give them that minute recovery, hit it again. Um, and I'll do that with, with my box. Even though females, they'll fight two minutes. I usually just put together a three-minute fight circuit. Um, and bring to intensities that they are never going to face in the ring. It's going to be a higher intensity when they really overpeak them, overstretch them. Um, but to make them know in the ring when they are feeling that, and they are feeling that adrenaline, they're good. They got yeah, it. Like, right, staying calm. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, of you know the strength overall, um, it's it's you know doing strength work or working in you know go three sets of five, break down to five sets of three, and then go to a max single or max double. A lot of times it'd be more of a max double, um, especially with our, our MMA guys the last they're dealing with injury wise. Um, don't want to overreach them on on, on that max number for the single. Um, but again, you know it varies. And then throwing in getting a little more dynamic. Um, so with, with the bands throwing in, getting the chains, get a little more explosive off the ground. Um, but those sets, again, we might go, we go dynamic, we go to, you know, eight sets, three and 10 sets of one leading up um, and get them just as explosive uh, as we can, um, get the get the velocity out of them that we need um, and looking at measuring bar speed. Um, so that's how to put like the gym wear on and just match instead of looking at the output of what they're lifting, how fast are they moving that way? How explosive are we getting? Is that time going down? You know, we'll do the same thing on the sprints. We have them on. Um, we're doing an A-lactic, and that's what we'll do at the end of their sessions, too, depending, again, what, what we need off of them. Um, and we'll do testing uh, in the beginning with uh, Jose. Uh, Flex who does a lot of the, the testing on these guys um, in terms of their uh, response cardiovascularly um, and where their body is, is utilizing or, or depriving the system where oxygen is being um depleted where they're uh what's the word i want to use ah oh, having a brain fart well basically how their body is responding in terms of their cardiovascular response so put them on they'll do like it's a basic uh it's a little more in depth than a map test um and find out where their rates are in terms of their oxygen intake oxygen excuse me oxygen utilization uh from there we'll figure out what they actually need in terms of the components in ending their sessions or where they're going to go a lactic we're going to go lactic a lot of times leading up to the fights we're going to go into six second uh, intervals with a full minute. So at six seconds, your body's going to be able to recruit maximal effort and starts to drop off after that. So we'll give them a six second at the end, we'll give them a minute to recover and hit them again, have six sets of six. We'll let them go on the, maybe the prowler, do some prowler sprints, 10 seconds. Now, if you notice that their time from a 10 yard mark is dropping, let me give them a little more recovery, be able to have their body recover and get the or play around with the timing of what they're actually pushing for. So we're constantly marking, marking, uh, monitoring where their efficiency is and where their drop-off times are and if they're getting better or if we're just depleting them more. But, you know, and a lot of times, again, the guys come in from wrestling all morning across the street um, and their body's already feeling that fatigue. So it's, mm -hmm. but those times we might just throw them onto the assault bike and have them go, okay, you know what? It's 10 minutes, just relax and let your body flow out. Um, for the max effort work, um, uh, no, sub kind of question, does it change? through fight camp and, and off season, but also, you know, what does that look like? Are they going for a record or is it like hundred percent, 90% for that day? For a max effort, I mean, they're always going to try to hit their, their PRs. They said, there'll be like, okay. so we'll, if we're looking at that domain, we'll hit them out with sets, three sets, five, 
We'll fall them out next week. We'll take it up. We'll go in five sets on three. And then that third week out, we'll bring him in. Okay, you're going to hit your max. This is what your PR was last time. Yeah, we're going to look for them to break their PR. Um, but, you know, sometimes. So kind of like a 5-3-1 kind of? What was that on their, on their max? It, yeah, it's kind of like a 5 Build up. Yeah, we'll do some, we'll do some build up. Let them feel it and then uh, see how they're feeling. And sometimes, like I said, we'll auto-regulate. We might just hit it as a double. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of times, too, we're working in those max effort realms. Well, we might say, you know, listen, oh, our five sets of three, I want you to hit at about your, your 80%, your 90%. Okay. They're not saying you're going to go into sets of five, or I want you to sit right at 75%. You know, or if we want to go into more strength speed, work on that underneath that bar. You know, it, it just, again, it varies what we need from them, what their body needs, what their performance rates saying that they need. Um, but getting closer to that fight, now we're, we're going to start to push them. We're going to start to push them on the bar. But that's, you know, getting close to that fight, we're not taking, we're taking their, their 80%, their 75%. And we might be going, um, you know, overcoming isometrics on that bar and say, so taking it into a French contrast and, and pushing against where I might have, especially my BJJ guys, um, I'll have them take for the deadlift, hold, take it out, hold it about a quarter range up, and then they'll go into that isometric against that bar on that pin, hold that, that mid back down and then return because that's where their body is, is really going to be facing that, um, that, that tension when they get into the grappling effects. It's not just up now we're against so the MMA guys, UFC, it's going to be more of that dynamic, but they're going to have mm-hmm. to hold so I, in my head, that's how I try to formulate who I'm working with and how I'm going to tweak those systems to get the demand and energy response that I need off of their body that is going to bring them closer to peaking for, for that event. Um, you know, boxing and get a little bit more into the dynamic range of the movements um, and throws, uh, you know, from landmine throws, mid-ball throws, um, various like that, Prowler's pushing it. But the BJJ guys working in, in those domains within that isometric um, overcoming isometric response, I think, is, is very important. It's very important. They've all, they've all <clears throat> loved, they felt that great um, carryover in terms of utilizing that, that format. I mean, we'll also take, we'll put that, that contrast format into doing clusters. We might put four times through, no weight on the bar, mm-hmm. just pulling up, and then going right into um, peaking them into a throw. You know, going into some potentiation work. So we go into potentiation clusters where we're getting that quick response. And that's especially for we have a fighter that's coming in that might not, we might not have had so much time with. And some of these guys at any off game, I got six weeks for a fight. Can you get me ready? Okay. They have no time in the gym. They never really. So we'll put them into, you know, clusters with the bar, pulling into the pins, some basic med ball throws, a couple cycles through and peak them that way and get the response that we need to offer their body and create that potentiation and that repeated explosiveness repeated sprintability that we need within the constraints of the time that we have and then can't transfer over into the off camp uh, on camp we're gonna work in their biases off camp going against their biases to bring them back to what they need to in the response that we can now push the needle on when they get back into in camp um how much straight bar work versus specialty bar work do you guys use for the three main lifts and do you have a rule with that where it's like, oh, they have no injuries. Okay, we'll use more straight bar. Or if it's close to fight camp, you know, maybe that's where we're using trap bar, football bar. Or is it kind of everybody special? Um, no, we constantly are varying it. Okay. Um, I stay with the same. I said a lot of times we, we, like, we like to work with the phases of four weeks. So it's a three-week we're on, and then that fourth we're going to deload them. Um, okay. I mean, for me, and I'm very much about numbers in terms of, of marking and monitoring where my, my guys are. So I'm going to say, uh, outside of circumstances, it, I'm going to try to say the same format. If I'm going to use, 
you know, they're going to go uh, uh, traditional deadlift. They're going to stay in that for the next three weeks. I'm going to market off of that, you know, um, and then I'll transfer them over into maybe they go sumo, maybe they go trap bar. Um, so we, we, we play with that, but it's always changed up because we never want to allow their bodies to accommodate to any circumstance. Uh, you know, go with the mobility, you know, you're saying the SSP bar, uh, for a lot of the guys, you know, they don't have the shoulder mobility. Uh, right, yeah. The duffalo bar um, or, or spider bar, you know, it's it's better for these guys just because of their shoulders and how they're dealing with what they can hold. Um, yeah. The guys, you know, even, you know, deadlifts outside of the trap bar, they don't have the positioning. So we'll stay with that trap bar, just vary how we're utilizing it from split stance or even playing a lot. I mean, I love working with the landmine and just different configurations with that. Um, just because line of force and driving forward, being able to create power in a forward direction, forward attention, that's the entire game in combat. So I will switch off and integrate that a majority of the times, um, especially for the guys that might not be able to do deadlift or squat or need that change and having that, that split stance um, format onto the, with the landmine, which allows again that forward attention, which is you basically shooting in for your shot or your takedown. Um, so I'm a big, big fan of, of using that for, whether it be my strength or, or max effort with a lot of my fighters. But now you spoke on the squat and the deadlift. What about the bench? Oh, good question. So yeah, we'll bench them a lot of times. Um, we'll utilize whether it bench, um, usually a close grip. Um, and we'll play around. We'll play around sometimes with the three different grips off that bench. Uh, but using a floor press, we'll utilize as well. Um, get them comfortable with the floor press. And then uh, landmark, excuse me, landmine presses off of that. But yeah, it's usually and a bench. A football <clears throat> Football bar press, uh, straight bench, close grip, or uh, a floor. And then besides the landmine, do you guys do uh, normal barbell overhead work, like uh, uh, incline or standing, or push presses? Overhead push press? Um, I would say overall minimal. Uh, we will do a Z press. Uh, okay, and right, yeah. Because so many of the fighters have so many issues when it comes to shoulders. So mm -hmm. a lot of push press and overhead work that lies um, outside of the landmine, which is not really traditionally, you know, overhead, um, but we'll utilize with the kettlebell or with the dumbbells. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Majority and majority of the work mm -hmm. will utilize the kettlebell or the dumbbells just for that reason. Um, mm -hmm. Not something that, that's mandatory for them and, you know, conserve their, their shoulders their neck, their traps, where they're getting a lot of tension already. Um, and, you know, just to, to risk injury off that or stress off of that doesn't yeah. make you know? So, yeah, our main major, as I said, man, this will be, this will be, uh, we use box squat a lot. Um, box squat, dead, high bar deadlift, uh, bench, close bench or football bench, floor press. Um, what did I say? Deadlift, trap bar, uh, sumo deadlift, traditional trap. Um, and, then, and then you, oh, sorry, go ahead, you go. Because off of that, what they need is going to build on those main lifts that we're utilizing. Mm -hmm. That's how they gain their accessories. Um, outside of any other circumstances, like I said, if they're off camp or we want to go after some of their biases um, or we might throw in, you know, some some FRC work or some mobility, some animal flow to get something out of them um, that their body is not getting in, in their, their main lifts. Now, like you said, like you mentioned FRC, and I know you said in the beginning that you do cars and part of that warm-up. Um, who does and where is it the pale and rails portion? 
That would be more. Um, I don't. So that's not. I don't have enough background, so I don't. I don't play around with pails and rails so much. Okay. But Phil will utilize that uh, more into what I see him doing to the end of the session. Okay. But I haven't even. I mean, I I haven't even seen him utilizing it um, in a while. To tell you the truth, in a okay. while. And I just guess I haven't utilized it enough where I, if I don't have enough in it, so many other avenues that I'm playing with, I won't integrate it until I'm 100% ability of it. Um, but I'll stay more with, you know, FRC, um, a lot of just dynamic, uh, full body movements off of um, cars, um, some floor work and uh, mobility work that I utilize just because my I specialize with a lot of the club work and maze work and I'll utilize that for that or what I need out of the efforts. Um. And what do you guys, how have you guys gone about coordinating the training with their uh, skill coaches? That's, I mean, that's up to, you know, the individual and whoever is, is working, you know, with them. I'm sure, you know, Phil talks to whoever he needs to talk to or to the athletes. Um, I always, whoever I'm working with, say, you know, and it's, I mean, you know, Jason, Jason Stroud, who's with um, Kill Cliff. I mean, he, we train Jason. Jason's in there all the time and Jason's with some of the fighters. So, it's a very open, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we're in contact. I go to Kill Cliff. I'm across the street a lot just to check on the guys and see what's going on just to connect. Um, but I'm always one to say, listen, whatever your coach, they want to talk to me about, give them my contact information. Anybody who has any questions, because for me, I I've seen so much nonsense one that never and needs to and never should go on between coaches because lack of communication right. or, you know, egos just, yeah, not being educated in a system, you know, or old school methodology. I mean, I had to deal with it in boxing myself where I, I had issues with some boxing coaches that I was working with because they didn't want me doing ABC, but because they didn't understand uh -huh. what right. they were telling me. So beyond, beyond the scope of even reason, you know, for performance gains, it's basically completely debilitating to what you need, especially as a fighter. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm very much, listen, any of your coaches have questions? Please let them, let them, you know, reach out to me if they want me to come in, you know, and I, I try to do this too. I'll always try to get to any of the sessions that I can get to, to anybody that I'm working with outside the gym, just see how they're going, how they're moving. What do they need? You know, ask the coach, what do they need? You seeing this good? Is this improving? Um, you know, what are they lacking? So, I mean, communication is always open, but that's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. It has to be, it has to be, you know, if there's no communication, there's breaks in communication. And the athletes, that's where there's a trickle down effect and it just can disrupt so many things. Um, before you go, last thing, tell me a little bit more about your organization that you mentioned in the beginning, um, since we, you know, we went over training so much. My brand? Um, so my brand, Rise, basically, um, I tell you what stands for, realize your strength every day, raise your uh, standards every day and reignite your soul every day. And basically it's just, it's me in what I do. It's, it's bringing the mental, the emotional, the physical together, which is the basis of all success, having the right mindset. So I'm not just working with my athlete um, in terms of the physical. I'm getting into their head. I'm getting into them at the same game. It's like I will meet with them outside of that and do some, some talks and some mindset sessions if they need be or, or on the phone or getting ready for a fight or 
uh, getting ready to step on the stage with one of my entertainers. Um, I usually, before, before any of his performances, I'm on the phone with him. Um, we'll do some, some flow work, some movement work before he gets on stage and I get into his head a little bit. Um, so it's, it's really the encompass of that and being able to inspire yourself to higher levels, especially things that I've gone through in my life. I believe that was for a reason, because if you don't have that in the past and you haven't done things and, and there's more to my story, mm-hmm. if you haven't gone through things in your life, then how can you truly speak on it and empower somebody else to go through it if you don't have a full understanding of it? So mm-hmm. you go through what I've gone through in my life in, in, in many different circumstances, being able to bring that to the forefront. Um, and especially after things that I've done, accomplishing the things that I've been blessed to accomplish, still continue to grow to accomplish other things can be, listen, I'm living proof. This is in existence. And it also allows me to open doors to getting out there doing more, more speaking engagements, but leaving behind something that is more than just what I've done in my, my life here, but more of a legacy and how I've served and built out to others. Um, so I want to create rise, uh, apparel. That's going to be the, the next, the next step on the, the, the platform, um, that will have things like blessed chosen warrior, um, taglines, like I say, uh, train with efficiency and effectiveness to ex in order to execute with excellence and exceed all expectations, no excuses. So quotes like that, that'll really start to move people into the formats of what they want to do. Cause there's so much negativity and there's so much, you know, people get on top of each other and, and noise that you can get into mm-hmm. the combat world. I want to be able to diminish all that as much as possible. Say, listen, you can actually do anything that you want to do in this life. Should you have the power within yourself? Because it's a choice and putting yourself, we say in training a lot, you know, in, in, in strength and, and in combat position before transition was putting yourself in the right positions in life, having that right foundation in order to create the transition that you want to make and the transformation that you want to make. And that positioning is again, it's all about life and training being the same training is from internal. If your core integrity is off your extremities and the force that you're going to create is going to be off. Kinetic chain is off. You have zero force production. So internal to external, same thing in life, internal to external, same thing being in the cage, being in the ring, being on the streets and, and dealing in the tactical element, internal is off your external, your result, your resolve is going to be off. And your ability to stay calm within the chaos and the confusion surrounding you, you're not going to have that clarity. You have that clarity within the silence of yourself. So it, it, that, these are all the co- things that rise a platform as, as a brand encompass. Um, and I want to start getting more. I, I did a couple and I kind of got away from it because I got busy with other things, but making it a point to um, putting out more more videos and um, speaking and, and mindset um, and being able to get out there and do more speaking engagements as well as seminars that will combine the mental aspects of the training along with modalities, whether it's going over, you know, conjugate or going over my modalities or unconventional training and being able to really put it together because that's, that's where that fight, like I said, I'm not a boxer, I'm a fighter mentality comes from that. That warrior mentality comes from that champion mentality comes from to be able to keep, okay, adversity comes good. Keep bringing it on, you know, because the, the greatness that's within you can only be chiseled out like the diamond from the pressure that you're dealt with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's rise is encompassing of all of that. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's me and Phil, we kind of went like this because it's like, he's from the same psyche and, and mindset and the two of us just working together and collaborating together. Um, and he knew I've talked about rise rise is something that was in my, it came to me when I was about 25 years old and it's just, I just never got the actual LLC on it. It's just been something I've been, you know, creating and, and 
looking to build um, and just continue to develop and see what else was going to come from it before I started to really put it out um, and what I wanted to do with it. And, you know, we talked about he's like right on board. He's like, yeah, it's like I see the whole thing. He's like, we could even collaborate. And it's just like where, if, you know, you hear Phil, Phil talk and a lot of things that he speaks on, a lot of things that I speak on, we're very much the same. So it's like, and, he, and that it's me and me the other day. He's like, you know, he's like, you and me were supposed to be finding each other. He goes, we're supposed, what do you say? It's like, as if we were looking for each other, you're the heart and I'm the soul. We were supposed to look to each other and we finally connected. And it's just like, again, everything happens for a reason. So hopefully it's like that whole collaboration where, you know, he's definitely more of uh, the strength and I'm almost more of like the performance and the strength type. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of mesh and come together. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. So hopefully we can build what we're building and, uh, move forward well you um i don't know if he told you this or you know that he's speaking at my seminar that's going to be on in uh june 17th and 18th and you say you want to do more speaking you should just tag along with him just roll up yeah i'll, I'll, I'll definitely bring it up to him <laughs> you should tell you know what you hit him up <laughs> i got no, you I gotta come. Don't tell him. you gotta bring your girl now Tell me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send a picture of me like this. I'm like, it's so hard. Come on, bring it together. <laughs> yeah, um, it, you spoke a, bit, a little bit on this already, but you know, just tell me about your goals uh, in, in the future. You know what you're trying to, you know, you know, bring to the forefront. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 unending. You know, it keeps growing. As I keep growing and evolving. <laughs> my, growing and evolving on top of what, like the the pinnacle that like I said, like I've known from as a kid was, you know, inspire, empower, and impact. Okay, well, how am I going to do that? My life's kind of brought me into that, that way. Um, it's now, because I always, it, through my career, I've always had, you know, boxing and I wasn't able to fully focus. My, my boxing was part of my path and my journey, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me the platform to have a greater outreach. It gave me the platform to be able to have two documentaries done on me, a song written on me, just, just certain things that have happened in my life that start create this almost uh, springboard effect into what I'm doing now. Strength conditioning wise, where I can embed myself more into, you know, really learning, continuing to grow, and just be full, full, fully engaged into this domain. And now that you know I have that growth as well, it's building myself to builds my name the brand of rise to global level um of coaching of speaking building my name to be out there and also listen i'm a female there's not a lot of female shrink of the shin coaches performance coaches that are no um and and this has been my this is this is me being uncomfortable because i'm always and so humble i'm humble to a fault why i don't Mm -hmm. speak and that's a big disservice so I'm working to be better at that. Yeah. So being that, that trifecta, being, being a female who's in the industry and, and has been in the industry um, and worked on the top in the industry to being, you know, world champion, Hall of Fame, everything I've done in boxing to now being in the tactical element, not just working with tactical population, but serving in protection. Um, you don't find that. And then being a speaker on top of it, that is about <clears throat> inspiring. That, like, I, I know I'm um, like the enigma. And I believe that I am that for a reason because I'm strong enough to carry out the responsibilities that go along with that and be able to serve the mission that I'm meant to serve on that. So 
you know, that's where we're a savage. You know, I used to go by just inspiring power and practice. My tagline is now it's train savage, live savage, because it, yeah, it's being savage, going after everything that you want, everything that you believe against all odds, against all adversities from within yourself to achieve the greatness that you're here on this earth to actually achieve. And that's why, you know, it, it's so, so that goal is, is really to be on that. And then, you know, whatever else comes along with it, people said, Oh, you need to do a book and there should be a movie on your life. And I've heard all these things from my entire life. And, yeah, maybe if, if that, that comes along, that's the path. But right now, I mean, it's really building my name, um, my my mentality and methodologies, uh, hybrid formats to bring that into coaching because I've played with them all and I see the responses um, and, and have seen how my athletes have changed and grown from it and just getting myself out there. But again, you know, building rise to be something that's left behind um, of myself that, that reaches even a broad a broader surface of individuals, even the gen pop. I mean, there's so many gen pop individuals that I've worked with that, you know, I've been very blessed um, to really, I've had two individuals that I, and they'll, they'll text me regardless. Uh, they'll text me to this day. I, they live in New York. The one I still actually work with virtually um, of how much I saved their life. And, you know, you have two individuals that got through things physically as well as mentally that you've had that impact on that can actually say and say to your fit their family that you saved their life. I mean, it, there's no, there's no amount of money and there's no, you know, greater fulfillment that you can get from somebody saying that being hundred percent truthful. So, I mean, there's a lot that I want to take what I do to and a lot of different individuals that I want to reach out to be able to, to take their lives to that next level. Um, and, you know, getting my name and, and brand out there to the forefront is the best way I could do it. So it's just doing it's right now. It's, you know, taking the steps, doing more of the podcast, doing more interviews, getting out there, doing more speaking engagements um, and being able to just bring that out there and, and, and see who else I can impact. Well, I appreciate having you on. It was it was an honor. It was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, like, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, he's, and he said a seminar. I thought he said he was doing he had done one. But now I got uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do me a favor. Uh, today or tomorrow, send me a good uh, profile pic of you, or, or even like a few. I can make it like in a little, uh, what is that, collage or whatever. And if you, or if you have a really cool video too, because you know, just attention grabbing a little bit better. Um, what training? Of what? you, like training, you know, training people. Better, probably more so training people because that's what you do. Um, or even if you have like a 10 second click of clip of like you in the ring and then like another few seconds of you go because you do a lot of stuff you know so if i can highlight it yeah i don't i can send i can put together like i can probably put together like a reel of some it'd be i don't have any video from fights but uh mm -hmm. um and it's funny because this guy so the fight I, I told you i have i have one of the biggest fights it actually says the biggest fight but it's been years, so I'm not gonna say I'm gonna say one. Right. Um, biggest KO. Um, and there's limited copies of this. It wasn't mm -hmm. on TV. It's in California, and people have always been asking me for the copy, mm -hmm. and I never gave it to anybody. I ended up giving it to this one guy that wants to do all this marketing stuff and this website for me. He screwed up the website completely. <laughs> amount of money and he lost the dvd so 
like that would have been the one I gave you. It was really this fight. We went 10 rounds. People say toe to toe. Like we literally went shot for shot for 10 mm -hmm. rounds. And mm -hmm. in, I remember it was the end of the sixth round or seventh round. I just got out of my corner and just kept saying believe in my head and just it loud. Like it just kept going through my head. So I just kept pushing. And um, I mean, the 10th round, we lean on each other. Like in the 10th round, we <laughs> just like respect. <laughs> we were just like, let's go. And at that point, respect like the highest. And we were just like, we're going to put a show on. And two seconds left, I took a step. And again, leaves just radiating through my head. A step through her right hand, and she just goes down. She tries to get up. Ooh. She falls again with two seconds left. <laughs> Was it was the most insane? Even when I talk about like I get chills, like it was the most insane moment, situation, fight. It was like being in a Rocky movie. So mm -hmm. I, oh, uh, it's I fought Holly. I fought Holly home twice. Um, oh wow! Was on Fox Sports. Uh, we headlined the card. It was it was a war, man. It was a war. And uh, I'll tell you what. Listen, I'll tell you when I and and, and she knows. I saw her. I'll tell you what happened. Um, we fought. It was a war. I didn't have my face all banged up at the end of the fight. Her face was all banged up. That says a lot. They gave it. When I went home, my email flooded with people. Flooded with people saying it was a draw. I was like, some people said that I won. So I always wanted that rematch. I got the rematch. I got the rematch. It was after I had maybe four or five fights in a row fall out. One of my very good friends that I was working with, he's like, yeah, he goes, you need to do something for yourself. He's like, all you do is train clients and yourself all day long every day. He's like, do something for yourself. He's like, you always wanted, always wanted a motorcycle. <laughs> Get it. And I was like, and I was just in that, that moment of weakness. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Uh -oh. <laughs> freak accident so oh. sitting on at harley and the bike i move, i'm listening to the sales guy about the bike the bike starts to tilt and so the bike's parts on an incline i move my foot slightly and that's probably why it probably started till i probably wasn't paying attention because I, was, uh, I was paying attention to my footing i was paying attention to what you're saying slightly move my foot the bike starts to tilt and i'm like in my head it's like i just bought this bike and i'm like i got it Put my hand down just instinctually, had my bike jacket on, 1,200-pound bike, and my arm trying to post oh. up. My elbow and tearing, tearing my tricep. Two days, three days after that, they called for me to fight Holly in the rematch. <laughs> now, I didn't know that the injury was that bad. and It was bad, mm. but I hadn't gone to a doctor and have health insurance. I went to I went to a friend of mine's um, physical therapist. I worked with a lot of school. He's Sports physical therapists work with a lot of collegiate athletes. He tested it out. He's like, that's not broken. And they started doing it was. I finally was getting the MRI. Um my team, who wasn't really my team, they didn't really have my back. Um mm. at was like, no, you're good. We'll take the fight. You're good. Uh, so I'm gonna, but this was not right. And uh ended up fighting Holly with one arm. Literally, I couldn't throw my, I throw my right arm once in the fight. It, that wasn't a good situation. It was not a good, it was not a good You at least want to go there 100% or as close to it as you can. It was bad. But again, like I wasn't, 
I wasn't at a point I probably still would where I was going to pull myself. I probably would now actually get a little smarter, but I wasn't. <laughs> no, I just wasn't yeah. going to, uh, I needed my coach to be like, no. But For you, right. Yeah. So went in and that didn't work out, but I saw Holly. So I, I worked with um, Macy Barber for her last fight in Vegas. Um, and I was coming back up from the, we were doing the shakeout the morning of the fight. And I get in the elevator and this guy, he's like, you fought Holly home. And just me and him in the elevator. And I looked at him and I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. He goes, she was talking all about you last night. He goes, she said, and I've read her say this before. She said, you're the toughest bitch that she's ever fought. You had <laughs> the fight she's had. And I was like, and I just laughed. And I was like, I heard her say that. Like every time I was like, that's, that's amazing. He's like, you want to go, you want to go serious? Like I'm, she's, she's staying up in the room. And I was like, yeah. So we saw, I sneak into the room. She sees me. It was like two fucking high school girls. Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> if anybody ever saw that, no, no, no. <laughs> but much respect, I mean, but yeah. So I don't have, I don't, I don't have that. That I might be able to to put stuff online. Um, mm. But I will get some. Uh, let me try to put. I probably put like a, a reel together. Maybe mm. I could do that. Maybe yeah. some. I have. Uh, I was getting yelled at because my my volume of videos on my phone is absolutely stupid. And <laughs> you don't but, have folders. You got to make them separate folders. Uh, well. Yeah. I, I know that. Like, why just take, like, don't even do that. It's like, you don't need all that. You don't, I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to need it. Yep. So I went through a whole thing. I'm getting it. Here we go. So let me, I have, it's stupid. I really, I have, I have videos. So I'm always like wanting to show people. And I'm like, you know, their progression. I'm like, look, you here, look, you here. This is your max right. here. You know, or even just for, for physiological standpoint, like even their biases and how it's corrected and how they're, how they're over, you know, overcompensating for situations, whatever. Um, but I will, uh, let me see, let me see what I can pull up. Um, I'll get that together and then get you, uh, I don't have any, any headshots. I have that shot that's on my, uh, um, on my IG. That's my profile. Um, I have to photo shoot. I haven't set it up with this guy yet, but that's something I have to do. Um, cause situations like this, I don't have anything for, um, but let me put some stuff together. Just, uh, let me know if you should see a video and, and uh, like a, a press, like a shot, an image shot. Yeah, yeah. Even, and they don't have to be like, you know, crazy, great quality. Even just any that just look just of you. And, and more so, it'd be better if it's more action shots of you like coaching and stuff like that. So even the quality's not as good, you know, because people just want to see, you know, like everybody gets a still shot. But like you coaching and a, a good athlete, that looks better. You I, know? I got one uh, working with Rashad Evans, so. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> um, and then just a one to two sentence bio, like when you send all that, just a quick like one to two sentence bio, of just like job title and maybe like search or or probably like your you know record, you know when you were a fighter and everything like that. Uh, let me just write this off. Forget video. Yeah. We'll do shot. We'll do one to two sentence bio. Um, all right, I can do that. I'll have that for you. Um, 
I will have that for you tonight or tomorrow. Um, I got to okay. meet with one of my guys from the organization from the program right after you. So I got a loaded day. Um, but I will, uh, yeah, if not tonight, definitely tomorrow I'll have it. I should have it to you. And anything else that you need, just let me know. Cool, okay. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. I look forward to meet you soon. <laughs> I'm going to tell. <laughs> All right. You're in Jersey, right? You said what? Are you? You're in Jersey? No, I'm in Atlanta. I'm from New York, though. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in New Jersey, though, the, the seminar. It's in uh, at Donovan Catholic in uh, Tom's River, New Jersey. Uh, that's what I, okay, that's where mm -hmm. I got you. Where are you from in New York? Um, right in Chelsea. Oh, yeah? In Manhattan. Yeah, 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 yeah. My parents, they still live up there. My grandma, like, basically, like, most of my mom's family is New York. Most of my dad's family is from the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I li lived there up until we moved, we moved down here three and a half years ago. Me and my uh, fiance now. So, nice. yeah, yeah. So when you're going to come to the facility? I, I need to, I, I'm, every time I talk to him or I think about Florida, that's the first stop. Um, number one, because it could be like a learn vacation because like I've never been in that area. So I'm like, you know, we, we really need to do one of those. Like, because especially because like I have family too that lives in Tampa. So it could be like a drive down, boom, and then just go a little further. It's like, you know, not a little bit, but for further. You know? <laughs> like three, three hours, maybe four hours. Um, More. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. I actually have to go to Tampa um, to meet with somebody up there. So I have to take the drive up there. Um, but I think it's like, yeah, I think it's like three or four, three, three to four hours. But you come down here, I mean, and like I said, you got Kill Cliff is right across the street from us. You got all the, I mean, all the combat gyms you want to check out is all around us. Um, and then just the beaches, I mean, everything. Miami, Miami's about from Deerfield, 40 minutes, maybe. 40 oh, minutes nice. Yeah, I, I definitely have to. I feel like, you know, especially because he's going to be going all the way up to uh, Jersey. I'm like, ah, he's, he's going to be making that case. I'm like, you got to go down here now. That's too quick. <laughs> Good. We'll go out, take you out, do dinner, drinks. Like, yeah, it's for oh, real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. But um, I'm going to give him some shit about, about coming out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you need from me, let me know. Uh, okay. Everything Good? Yes. Perfect. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoy the rest of your day. You too, love. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Oh, no, it was a pleasure. Have a great one. Right. You too. Bye. Well, that's all she wrote for this episode. Hope uh, all enjoyed. As always, uh, like it, subscribe, leave a review, share it with friends. If you are a coach or know a coach, that would like to be on the podcast, please shoot me a DM on Instagram. That's K-A-L-I-L -L underscore S-H-E-R-R-O-D. If you want to attend this year's seminar, it will again be at Donovan Catholic in Tom's River, New Jersey on June 17th and 18th. That's a Saturday and Sunday. Um, if you would like to purchase the book, you can use the link tree in my bio where you can also um, purchase your ticket for the seminar as well. Um and if you're interested in online training, same thing. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Stay clean. Peace.